0: Thank you, Katie and Carl. Um, really appreciate, Katie, all that you've done this week. You know what? Hey, I wasn't going to do this, but while I'm here, um, can we thank Katie and Abby Tyrell for all the work that they did this week at BBS? Yeah, they... So a few seconds of applause does not do justice to all that you did, Katie and Abby. I know I saw you here this morning somewhere. um, You may be serving somewhere this morning. Anyhow, thank you so much for all that you've done. It was awesome. It was awesome. Well, I'm Tim Rogers, lead pastor here at Grace Point Church. Thank you for joining us online, and thank you for being here this morning as well. Um, I'm looking forward to this morning, and I want to jump into this series we're in called Teach Us to Pray This Way, and that is by talking about misunderstandings. Now, misunderstandings can be a funny thing. Um, Well, sometimes. Sometimes they can be. And Twitter, by the way, is full of people explaining how things were misunderstood. There was a mom who tweeted this. She said, my toddler was about to hit her head on a bar at the playground, and so I told her, duck. She quacked at me and then hit her head. (laughs) Someone named Claire tweeted, my husband and I were reminiscing about the time I texted him on my way home. I said, can you start cooking those sausages? And then I added a carrot three. Looked this as a cute little heart. He cooked, you guessed it, two sausages. <laughs> Ian Reynolds wrote this. He said, When I was a kid, my mother popped out uh, while cooking to me. She said she was boiling potatoes. She said, Hey, watch the potatoes as she left. I watched them. They burned. And then a guy named Colin wrote this. He said, I was I once made white sauce, he said. It was a bit thick. Um, It was a bit thick, and I kept having to add more and more milk. And my wife said to me, how much flour did you use? Well, it says three or four ounces, so I used three and a half. (laughs) He said, yep, it should have been three quarters of an ounce. (laughs) That's what it should have been. So misunderstandings, misunderstandings are, are replete, are thorough in all of our lives. And here's what I think happens, that misunderstood things, I'll put it this way, misunderstood things become misapplied things, right? When I misunderstand something, I misapply what I'm supposed to do. That's just the way that works. So I want to take this a little bit further. Misunderstood things become misapplied things, and misapplied things become miserable things. I'm stretching that a little bit. I was hoping you could work with me a little bit. I know it's miserable, but I was in the miss mode, and I just carried it. Misunderstood things become misapplied things, and misapplied things can become miserable things. Can you try to imagine eating that white sauce after three and a half or three whatever, you know, three and a half ounces instead of three quarters? Now, that may be true in general, but as I was reflecting on this, here's why I wanted to bring this issue up. Particularly when it comes to our faith, matters of faith, things that we think we understand about God, now, I don't know what your story is in your faith journey where you're at right now, but I'll just speak personally There have been things that I have misunderstood about how God works Let me just take for example the depth to which his grace comes to meet us I have misunderstood In my own personal life the role of works and the role of grace I'm not talking about just in my mind, but I mean actually in my day-to-day walk And so for many years, I would say I really misunderstood the role of my faithfulness and my reliability and my dependability based on things that I felt like I should keep doing. When I misunderstand how deep God's grace is, I misapply how I should live. And I would say, if I'm honest, there have been miserable years of my own faith where I have felt like what I needed to do was to continue serving God to gain his pleasure continued to be faithful, so that he would look down on me with favor. To come to church, to read my Bible, to pray, because that's what a faithful person does. Not because I wanted to, not because I found joy and delight in it, but because I misunderstood what was even needed to relate to God in the first place. And so when I misunderstand things in my relationship with God, I misapply, and it can lead to a miserable existence. The reason I bring this up is because today, in this series on prayer that we're in, we're gonna talk about an issue that's easy to both misunderstand and misapply and can lead to misery. And that is this issue in this prayer that we're looking at, the issue of forgiveness. We're gonna see a prayer in a minute. I'm gonna invite you to turn in a minute to your Bible. And where Jesus asks us to invite God to forgive us, just like we forgive those around us. But if we misunderstand what forgiveness actually means, it can lead to misapplication, and misapplication of forgiveness can lead to incredible misery for you and for me. I don't want that for you. And so I'll tell you, here's my hope this morning, if I can put it this way. Today, I hope to give you a view of forgiveness that can lead to greater honesty, healing, and redemption. It's my hope this morning. And so to get there, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse um, 9 is where we're going to be. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew is the first book in what we call the New Testament. It's in the right two-thirds of your Bible. If you don't own a Bible, there's one in the chairs near you. We want to give that to you if you don't have one. Um, But Matthew chapter 6, and we're in this prayer that Jesus offered to the disciples, um, in which many of you know this is what we call the Lord's Prayer. Uh, If you're like me, I repeated it growing up, and um, it was meaningful to a degree, and then it became rote um, memory, and then I lost much of the depth and significance of it. But I'd like to read the whole thing, and uh, where we're really gonna stop and pause this morning is we're gonna unpack verse 12. We'll get to that in a minute. So here we go. Jesus is saying, this then is how you should pray in response to the question when the disciples said, teach us to pray. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Then we're going to continue into verses 14 and 15, because they relate. That's the end of the prayer, but 14 goes this way. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, let me, let me talk about this for a minute. We're really gonna look at verse 12, and we also need to talk about verses 14 and 15. First of all, I wanna ask the question about why, why are we praying for forgiveness? I'll, I'll just start this way, that praying for forgiveness ourselves helps keep me, maybe helps keep you humble, first of all. The very thought that I would need to be forgiven for something assumes that I have done something wrong. And so there's a softness to that. There's a warmth to that that livens our hearts that can get cold. And so I very much appreciate this posture of God, forgive me. Let me not just come assuming that things are right for me. Forgive me, first of all. I very much appreciate that. I want to look at verses 14 and 15 with you as well, because they seem really strong. Look at them again. I mean, Jesus is saying if you forgive other people when they sin against you, yeah, there you go. There's your past and your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you don't, then you're out of luck. I mean, that seems pretty cut and dry, doesn't it? I would argue, and you can, you can decide, here's where I come down on this. I think Jesus is using hyperbole. I think he's making an exaggerated statement to make a point. And the reason why I think that is because this, I don't believe this is fundamentally possible in my relationship with God. Here's what I mean. In Romans 5, 8, we read that while we were still in our sins, Christ died for us. If this is true, that the only way for me to get God's forgiveness is for me to forgive you, then I will never get into God's family to begin with. God forgives me before I even turn to him that's what I believe the New Testament teaches before I even have capacity or willingness or desire to forgive or offer grace to anyone God has already through Christ given that to me and so what I think Jesus is doing is using hyperbole to make a point I don't want to get too far away from his point I think Jesus point is guys (laughs) make sure that you understand how significant forgiveness is the I'll say, obligation or opportunity or responsibility. We have to offer to each other the same kind of forgiveness that Christ has forgiven us with. This is hard. This is really, really difficult. And so this is how I see it. At the same time, forgiveness can often be misunderstood. And what I appreciate, excuse me, I have a little bit of a sore throat this morning, so I may need to pause every now and then to get a little drink. Um... I do not have COVID, by the way, for those immediately who are thinking, oh no, I did return a negative test, just to be clear, okay? Uh, That's the world we live in, I'm okay with that, but just want you to know, set you at ease a little bit. Um, But here's the deal, here's what I appreciate about this idea of forgiveness. It is hard, it's easy to understand forgiveness in our minds, but it is hard to actually flesh it out. Um, A couple guys named Dan Allender and Adam Young have helped me unpack this a little bit. And there's a number of ways that we can misunderstand forgiveness. So if I'm trying to make the case that we misunderstand it, the question becomes, and you might need to ask, how is it that we actually misunderstand? I want you to just process with me this quote from Dan Allender. Here's what he says about misunderstanding forgiveness. He says, the requirement to forgive may be honored, here's the first one, as a noble, but impractical. In other words, I believe that um, I should do it, I just don't. For me, this is not unlike flossing. What a noble idea it would be for me to floss my teeth. (laughs) But it is impractical because I don't have the time most days to do it, right? Now, I don't know where you are with that, but that's about where I am. Most days, self-confession, I've confessed this before, I generally am not a flosser, okay? And this is often where forgiveness is. Like, hey, that's a noble idea, that's awesome. But come on, it's impractical, because you don't know my story, do you? And you're right, I don't know your story. But often it's misunderstood, because it's, it's a high ideal, but it's impractical, given this situation. Another way it's misunderstood is this way. It can be dismissed, as this is a big word that he used, antiquary. In other words, old, all right? You can substitute old in there. Oh, that's cute. Isn't that for, like, Little House on the Prairie time? Like, isn't that what that's for? Back in the day, I mean, come on, that's in the 50s and 60s, maybe, you know, but that's for people, that's not for today. You don't understand the complexity of today's world. Like, this is not for today, is it? Let me go on another way, it's misunderstood. It's forgotten except in safe surroundings. In other words, I'm okay to forgive my friend for being five minutes late to a coffee date, but when I talk about forgiving an enemy, someone who's deeply wounded me, maybe deeply wounded you, I forget that this forgiveness reaches all the way, all the way into there. And finally this way, and this is very, very important, or just as tragically applied without wisdom or understanding. In other words, this assumption that I need to forgive everybody in every way, the same way with great totality over and over and over again which can lead to continually abusive behavior, can lead to dangerous and harmful situations, can lead to damaged and hurting relationships because we don't know what we're wielding when we say, sure, I forgive you, I move on. So there's a number of ways that forgiveness can be misunderstood and misapplied, and in my estimation, then lead to misery as well. And so this morning, I wanna talk about what forgiveness is not and what it is. What forgiveness is not, I would argue, is forgiveness is not forgive and forget. It is not forgive and forget. Um, That to me is generally a terrible phrase. The reason for that is it's impossible, a couple reasons. Number one, uh, it's impossible for some of us to forget the experiences that we have had, right? If you've had a difficult experience, you cannot forget that. You just can't. And you may say, well, I'm going to try. Well, sure, you can try. But it will come back. You cannot forget some things, it's just not possible. It's just not possible. The pain of losing a loved one, the pain of going through abuse, the pain of going through a loss of friendship and relationship. You just can't forget the betrayal that you encountered. It just doesn't go away. It's triggered later on by things. You can't forget it. It doesn't mean that you're a terrible person, but forgetting in the context of forgiving, I think, is very impractical. Secondly in this, forgive and forget allows us, in our minds, to escape the rage and anguish and hurt that the offense created. It allows us to say, we recognize it, we recognize it. Like, if this table is the bucket, if you will, that holds the anger that I have, if you have offended me, or maybe you, if I've offended you, and I know it's ugly because it's full of all kinds of hard, dark, angry emotions, I don't don't know about you, I would... I don't want to deal with it. Forgive and forget allows me to set this stuff back here. It doesn't go away. It's just behind me. Like, I think it's still there. Forgive and forget just says that. Like, you haven't dealt with it. You've just moved it back there. Moved it back there. Very unhealthy, very unhelpful. And forgive and forget doesn't allow us to deal with God, who was absent when we needed him the most. It doesn't allow us to say, God, where were you? It doesn't allow us to expand our view of God who is present in the middle of some deep pain. Let me put it this way in case, I want to make this case strongly for you, okay? And so I want to push on this a little bit. Dan Allender wrote it this way, and I love the way he put it. The only way to forgive and forget mentality is to be practiced is through radical denial, deception, or pretense. So if you're still unsure about forgiving and forgetting, I love the way he says it. The only way for the forgive and forget mentality to be practiced is if you're gonna choose, I'm gonna radically deny what happened, I'm gonna deceive myself, I'm gonna pretend that it never really hurt the way it did. That's what I'm gonna do. That's what I'm gonna do. And that is what some people do. What does that create? Misery, absolute misery. It's a misapplication, it's a misunderstanding. It creates absolute misery, sometimes for decades in our lives. And so when Jesus says, I want you to, to forgive others so much that you need to understand that your forgiveness of others is tied in in some way to how God is going to forgive you. He's trying to drive it deep into our soul, but I want to encourage you to not think about it, forgive and forget. That's incredibly unhealthy and unhelpful. But rather to think about it another way, that is this, forgiveness is forgive and remember. Forgive and remember. What does that mean? That sounds so, so different, maybe, than what you've been used to. Forgive and Remember. And here's what I want to say about this, and again, my th- my, I'm sharing with you some thoughts from Adam Young, so if you want to talk more about this later, I can share some more ideas with you. He helped me think through this framework. There's four things that we think about when we think about forgive and remember. What does that mean? Forgive and remember starts this way. It means this, I'm, first of all, I'm gonna remember, and I'm gonna name the harm specifically that was done. People have hurt you, it's not enough just to generally acknowledge that there's been a hurt that's been done. If there've been people who've walked out of your relational circle, you felt betrayed by the loss of them. It's not enough just to say, oh, when I think about, you know, Bill or Joe or Susie, I feel hurt, okay? Talk about what happened when they walked out, when they no longer respond to you the way they do, when you feel ghosted, you see them in the grocery store, and they walk by you and you know that happened. What is it specifically? Name the harm specifically. Not just that I've been hurt by my parents, but if your dad was a drunk and came home for your 16th or 18th birthday party, made a fool of himself at your 16th birthday party, name it. Not just my dad hurt me, when he came home and he was drunk on my 16th birthday party, I felt such shame for him. If your mom or dad would make fun of your weight, make comments about how you looked as a young lady, name it. Not just that I was hurt by them, but name it. You have to remember the harm and name the harm specifically. Not because we love to get into painful situations, but if we don't remember, then we don't understand the debt load that we have to forgive. And you're offering a forgiveness that is incomplete because you haven't understood what you're forgiving yet. And so the harm that you have experienced needs to be named Specifically, you must remember, first of all, what happened. Joseph, by the way, does this in Genesis 45, just in case if I can anchor this to the scriptures a little bit. If you remember that story, it's okay if you don't. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, basically, and went years and years and years um, away from home, in prison, and then found his way uh, into leadership. And as his brothers were coming before him, at the end of the story of Joseph in Genesis, what happens is he, his brothers now stand before him and Joseph now in a position of power. He names himself for who he is and he specifically names the harm that they did to him. He says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery. Why is he doing that? Just to twist the knife? No. It's important to name the harm that was done so that you can do the next thing and move toward forgiveness. It isn't about making things worse, it's about actually moving toward healing. The second thing to remember is this, remember not just the harm that was done, but remember how God has embraced you. (laughs) Meaning this, (laughs) I don't believe that obligation alone can motivate forgiveness. Some of us say, well, I'm obligated to forgive because I'm a Christian. Okay, sure. You might try to do that, but a warm heart is needed to truly forgive. Seeing again how God, through Christ, has come to save me in the middle of my junk. Remembering again how God has embraced me in the middle of my own sin and shame is necessary to remember. Because not only do I need to remember the harm that was done to me, I also need to remember how God has embraced me. That's part of remembering. When we forgive and forget, we give no opportunity for our hearts to be warmed again by the truth of the gospel that we need to remember again, this is how God has embraced me in the middle of my own pain, shame, and suffering. Third is this, I wanna encourage you to continually pay attention to your heart toward the person who hurt you. So in other words, you're gonna continue, most likely, to feel a variety of things toward an individual who may have hurt you. The question becomes, do I feel contempt? Do I feel anger? Do I feel a real desire to forgive? How is it that my posture toward the person who hurt me is changing as life goes on? Sometimes it happens, and I don't know if you've seen this, but some people do this. Some people recognize their own heart when they wanna be um, cool or distant from the person who hurt them. They're okay not to engage them anymore. They're okay to pull back and be distant. They say, well, I've forgiven you and I'm out, I'm done. That's it, I'm out. I get that. It's good to pay attention. My heart actually wants to punish you still, because your hurt has been so deep. I want to punish you, if I'm honest. I don't want a relationship anymore. I don't even want to talk to you anymore. I don't even want to think about you anymore. So I want to pull back. Continue to pay attention to how your heart is toward the person who's offended you. This forgiveness that I think is in the scriptures is so deep and so hard, that if I'm honest, it can feel like a death, if you want to put it this way. Because someone has offended you or hurt you, I'm not just talking about the little things that we do to annoy each other. (laughs) I'm talking about the things that can be life changing and life altering, that can deeply impact who we are and how we work. That level of forgiveness um, is so hard because the debt is so serious. It has to be looked at and seen for what it is. But here's what Tim Keller has to say about that, and I love the way he puts it. He says, Many people would say, That forgiveness feels like a kind of death. Yes, but it is a death that leads to the resurrection instead of the lifelong death of bitterness and cynicism. I want want to talk more about that in a minute, but I think he's right on. Forgiveness does feel like a death. It's gonna be a decision to say, I'm no longer gonna hold this debt against you. I mean, come on. (laughs) Can we be real on that for a minute? That's fine when it's safe. (laughs) But for people who have really wounded you, sit in it for a minute. I will no longer hold this against you. Not for the people in this room who are safe, but for the people out there in your family in your friendships. That's... that's an ask. That's an ask. It's huge, which is why. The fourth step in forgive and remember is repeat. (laughs) Repeat. What's gonna happen um, for you, I think you will find this, if you haven't already found this already, that you may choose to forgive, but as life goes on, it's not unlike the layers of an onion. More and more of what the offense meant to you will become uncovered. You will find that that event, that moment, that conversation, that broken relationship, it meant something to you this year, but next year and a year later and two years later, you're gonna realize that actually meant more to me than I realized. You're gonna cycle back to the pain, to the harm, to the struggle. And so I wanna encourage you to think through this process not as a picture, but as a movie scene, one that continues to move with moving characters and moving people. And as the chronology unfolds, so too does your own understanding of what's really happened to you and how God is meeting you throughout the process. So I want to encourage you, name the harm specifically. Remember how God has embraced you. Pay attention to the condition of your heart, toward the person that you're supposed to forgive, and repeat, and repeat and repeat. I'm gonna ask this one of these final questions here. Let me ask this, why do this? What I'm asking you to do is to take Jesus' call here to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. To forgive us our debts, assuming that we have forgiven our debtors. I'm asking you to think beyond safety, beyond the people around you who you're not even seriously upset with, but the people who have deeply wounded and have significantly changed the trajectory of your life, the things that trigger you, the things that really deeply wound you and move you. Because Jesus is saying, forgive those. And then he goes on in 14 and 15, we read those verses, right? If you don't forgive other people, our heavenly Father's not gonna forgive you. I think it's hyperbole, simply to push how hard it is and how much he wants us to do this, how much he wants us to do this. So why do this? Why forgive? Two reasons, here's a church answer. You ready for the church answer? No response, I'll take that as a yes. We're ready for the church answer. Um, because God said so. How about that? How's that for obligation? How's that for a sense of duty, all right? So if that moves you, have at it? But I think it needs to go deeper than that. All right, it's in the Bible, Jesus encourages us. This is all true. Let me go further. Let me just be very practical. I think it's the most practical thing to do. I think it's actually the most practical thing to do. When you've been wounded and hurt, you have options. Let's put it this way, you can forgive or not forgive. Right? if you choose not to forgive, and I get why that's a very attractive option, trust me. I get why that's there. If you choose not to forgive, what you're ultimately doing is you're making a decision, I think you should understand this, you're making a decision to become less human. Here's why I say that. You're making a decision to allow your heart to be hardened, to allow yourself to hold on to bitterness. You're making a decision to deaden your emotion to deaden yourself to pain. Because if this is the table in which we've been offended, and I put it over here, and I don't forgive it. I'm choosing to deaden my heart to the pain because it feels better not to think about it, right? It feels better to move on. But if you've grown old enough at all, as old as I am or older, you will come to learn that you cannot deaden your heart toward pain but also deadening your heart toward joy. You cannot choose to selectively deaden parts of yourself, and neither can I. And so when I choose not to forgive, I'm choosing not to remember, I'm choosing not to deal with my pain, and I'm also choosing not to embrace life, and love, and joy, and freedom, and humanity, the way that God designed it to be. So why forgive? Not only because God says you should forgive, but also because when you choose not to, you're making a decision to over time become less and less human, moving away from how God has designed you and designed me to be. Adam Young puts it this way about forgive and remember. He says, forgive and remember makes redemption possible, which means evil does not win. If you forgive and forget, evil will win because you will be forced to push aside memories that you should take a moment to sit in. If you forgive and remember, You will have a chance to really name where you have been hurt. And you will have a chance to remember where God has already forgiven you. You will have a chance to remember the gospel again. And it will do nothing but soften your heart over and over and over again, even while it is terrible to go through. Forgive and remember makes redemption truly possible. And so my last question to you is this. Is there anything that I need to? You need to. Forgive and remember. Yeah. You've been pushing it aside, been moving along with life, been hoping that your busyness and your activity with your kids or your career will set aside the stuff that's been going on back here, and you've had a little table back here. You have people who have hurt you, and hoping to move on from it as quickly as possible. <laughs> it's too painful to talk about it, to think about it, to deal with it. I get it. It is hard. It is hard. It is hard. It is Hard, But to choose to forget and think that's forgiveness is to choose to be a lesser version of yourself. That will never go away. And Jesus says in this prayer, he's like, let's pray this way. God, forgive us our debts as we've chosen to forgive our debtors. We've seen the debt they've owed us. It's big. It's real. And we're choosing not to hold it against them anymore. I'd still like to punish them. (laughs) I still want to hurt them for what they did. But I'm choosing to forgive because I don't want to deaden my heart to how you have made me, God. I want to experience life and life to the full. So this morning what I'd like to do is we wrap up this message. Um, I'd like to actually have us pray this prayer together as a body and if you would like to join in, I'd love to have you join in uh, in this. I'm gonna put the the prayer up here. We're gonna go through it slowly. because I have the clicker and that's what I'm doing, all right? (laughs) Because I want us to be able to just take a minute uh, to sit in it for a minute and to go through these lines. So if you will, I'll click through these and when they come up, I will lead through them. If you are comfortable, I'd love to have you join in as we read this together and just reflect on what these lines mean as we go through this prayer that we're familiar with. Here we go. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. God, I pray that you would help us to see you as a father who's a good father in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray that you would help us to see your kingdom come in the day-to-day that we're in that our kindness, our mercy, our grace through our friends and coworkers and family will bring your will to earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Not just what I need for physical sustenance, but what I need, God, for you to guide me day by day. And forgive us our debts. God, I pray that you would remind us of what you have forgiven us from. As we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, I pray for us this morning that you would give us the courage to enter forgiveness. Forgiveness that is honest. Forgiveness that is courageous. A forgiveness that can bring redemption because it's a forgiveness that remembers. It's a forgiveness that sees the debt chooses to forgive it in its fullness not because we're still not hurt but because we want to live so father i pray that you would help us to forgive our debtors as you have forgiven us that we can be people perfectly flawed and broken people who can wield the redemptive power of forgiveness in all of its hard ways. This is an act of courage, an act of boldness. I pray for us as we sit here and listen to this that you would help us not to walk away without doing what we need to do is not to forgive and forget but to remember because of redemption's sake to be overcome by your mercy and wrestle with our own anger and pain Father we love you, we thank you for being a good God who can handle all of this stuff more than we even understand, it's in Jesus name that we pray, amen